0: welcome 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 back to the bgd podcast i'm your host raquel willis and as usual we're here to give you a much needed dose of intersectional analysis of your favorite pop and political moments i am so excited to have our guests on today um we have so many things to break down we're going to talk about the 444 album and how it broke the internet, or at least Twitter. That's what I was using. <laughs> we'll also talk about Black China and the Rob Kardashian situation. We'll talk about Donald Trump Jr., actually, not the older one. And we'll also talk about Tyler the Creator and news around his upcoming album. So with me today, I have Candace Venbo, an amazing writer and public educator. She is, has been instrumental in really breaking down some of the major, at least musical moments of the past year or so. She was the one behind the limited syllabus hashtag and the social media campaign and then she also worked with l.com media scholars at the Anna Julia Cooper Center at Wake Forest under Dr. Melissa Harris Perry's uh, direction to create a syllabus for a seat at the table so she is doing big things um, and she also considers herself a displaced Southerner living in New Jersey. You know, I resonate with that as a Georgia peach in the West Coast. Uh, so welcome, Candace.
1: Thank you so so much for having me. I'm really excited about about being on BGD. I'm really so excited. <laughs>
0: It's good to have you on. I mean, everything that you do is uh, so in line with everything that BGD is about. You know, we um, are so uh, invested in really breaking down what's going on for folks and, and with our people and with women. And, and it's so great to see the consciousness raising that you do behind these big pop culture moments.
1: Thank you so much. Like, I, I think that um, particularly as an educator, but one who is steeped, born and raised in hip hop, um, in hip hop culture, that I think that we don't take enough stock in the ways in which um, pop culture helps to shape us, um, both in, um, in and outside of movement moments. And we're definitely in one of those. So any way that I can be a part of a kind of learning curve for people in an exciting and innovative ways I'm always excited to do that
0: awesome so we'll jump right in because you wrote an amazing piece entitled 443 um, but before we get to breaking down all the ways that you made this work even better for at least women who listen to it um so 444 is jay-z's 13th album he released it on june 30th via title you know he was not going anywhere else (laughs) and you know he released this um big album I, i i've heard from um and read from a lot of uh, Jay-Z fans that, you know, this might not be his best album, right? We, we may not be able to call this his magnum opus, um, but it, it's possible, right? This album just needs time to breathe. We'll see where it goes. But he really directly discussed um, some of the things that Beyonce talked about in Lemonade, particularly around infidelity, Um, and he also went even further right and talked about his growth and his consciousness as a black man Um, he talked about his thoughts on black wealth building um and and in general what it has taken to get him to the point that he's at now um and so candace's piece 443 some of you might have heard might have seen it going around um she really broke down, um, I mean, it almost was a a lemonade essay part two, just kind of giving some of her personal thoughts. And so I'm wondering, you know, how were you inspired by um, Jay-Z's album to create this piece? and, And how were you feeling when you initially heard 444?
1: So, as somebody who, you know, I consider uh, Jay to be my um, (laughs) brother-in-law, I was excited about 444, um, particularly because not knowing that he had, um, that the story behind it is that he woke up at 444 in the morning to write the title track. Um, I knew that the number four has been so important to, um, and so integral into uh, his relationship with Beyonce that when I saw 444, I assumed that it would be um, a piece that kind of touched on music music that touched on Lemonade and where they were as a couple. And so uh, when I listened to it, I was really excited about um just who he is as both um a as a as both a musician and a um an orator because he has a way with words and delivery that's just masterful so i remember sitting I remember sitting that night and listening to it and just being um it felt like a breath of fresh air. Like this is what hip hop, this is what it looks like for hip hop to grow up. And I remember missing um sitting there on my bed listening to it and realizing that I missed this and had never I never knew that I was missing it, right? That that the music had not elevated to to hip hop music had not elevated to this kind of standard and we were hoping for that. And so at the same time that I was excited about what Jay was doing and I was excited about the breath of fresh air and the you know, depth of um, topics that he was discussing, I also found myself feeling extremely heavy and, um, and, and certain points hitting me in an emotional space that I didn't think they would. And um, I woke up the next day and I was still heavy. And I was like, why am I feeling like this? And I listened to the album all that next day. And it hit me that I was feeling like this because I was in a relationship with someone um, that I hoped would last. I hoped that we were going to turn the corner and we would be together. And I felt like the growth that you see Jay exhibit is the exact kind of growth that I wanted in this relationship that I didn't get to see. And so for me, it was like, okay, how now that I named this space in me and this feeling in me, what needs to happen next? And I'm a writer, so as a writer, um, in order for me to, to name and to move forward, I have to write it out. And so I sat down, wrote out 443, which um, in its own way ended up being everything that, um, that I was feeling around the, the dissolution of this relationship, the anger, the confusion, the love, the hope for reconciliation, the desire for reconciliation, and I, um, I sat on it for a while. Like I, I sent it to uh, my friends. I kept revising it, revising it. I kept, I sent it to my friends, and um, two of them were like, "You really should, you really should post this." And I kept putting it off and I kept saying, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And one of my friends said, if you don't do it, you're not, you're never going to do it. And I woke up July 4th and I said, I mean, it was literally a draft on my um, website. And I woke up July 4th and I said, today is the day. And I pushed publish and Never in a million years (laughs) did I think that we would be here um, with it resonating with the amount of people that it has, particularly women. Um, But it was something that I knew that if I was going to be honest with myself, this album, 444, showed me that I was not, it showed me a lot of things, and I was grateful for the conversations about generational wealth and and progressive politics that you see within Jay. And at the same time, it also showed me that I had not healed beyond what I thought was um, the feelings that I had in this relationship. And so what does it mean for me um, to, to be honest about that? And... Um, and to, uh, to push forward. And so here we are. So, I
0: mean, this is amazing, right? That, that art and, and hip hop, right, could inspire you to really spill your feelings out as well. Right? And it's kind of this um, this this never ending feedback loop, right? Because if we think about the vulnerability from Lemonade, and what that must have done to inspire Jay to write his album and create his album. And then of course, the reaction to um, that album, which you are a part of. Um, and I wanna read an excerpt um, that I think really, kind of drives home the point of, of um, 443, although there are many. Um, and so you said, you are, a, you are part of a nation of brothers whose selfishness turned to growth always leaves someone wounded. And we're left with more questions than answers. How did this happen? Why didn't I see it coming? What did I do wrong? And how can I fix it? Wrestling with reemerged insecurities because you were unable to deal with your own. You were right. You don't deserve me. I'm too much for you. But I never want it to be too much, only enough. That part right there, I think, was the part where I was like, even I, you know, I was like tearing up because I think that this is such a um, common experience, particularly of black women um, in relationships with black men. And, you know, I think one thing that is has been interesting about the the kind of difference of response, right, when Lemonade dropped, you know, it was overwhelmingly black women and then of course the Beehive and and black LGBTQ folks who were going up and up about lemonade. And then there was kind of this like negative or apathetic response from I feel like most men, right? Like of course there are some men who were like, you know, B did her thing, no, no, those types. But I, I think I saw a lot more backlash whereas with this piece I feel like there was, there was joint um, celebration and um, understanding of the, the critical importance of it in a way that did not go to Beyonce because she is a Black woman, right? And because Jay is a Black man, this is seen as an art for all of us to take part in. And so I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Did you, um, has that crossed your mind, kind of like maybe the difference in reaction?
1: Absolutely. So part of what what was frustrating to me, um, and still is, is that somehow 444 is seen as what legitimizes Beyonce's lemonade, right? That like, that there was so much scrutiny around, um, oh, you know, this isn't true. She's just doing this for marketing purposes. She's doing this to stay relevant. All of these things that people said about lemonade that somehow were um, supposed to be kind of this, um, that was somehow supposed to be this reality in which um, black women can't tell their story or that this particular black woman, um, we cannot tell a story of vulnerability. And what frustrates me is um, the way as an artist, um, Beyonce is pulled apart in so many different ways, right? Um, She's the site of such deconstruction that tends to lend itself to being, um, tends to to lend itself to being a microcosm of what black women are facing, that we are always seen as, as these people and these conversations and objects that can be deconstructed um, and are never fully affirmed for the feelings that they are experiencing. Um, but what I also will say though is that um, part of where um, part of the conversation and the narrative that I'm seeing with a lot of brothers is that they are leaning more into um, Jay's political message. And are not really dealing, and dealing wholeheartedly in and with um, the emotional um, maturity that Jay is laying bare in four forty four. Right. So you have these, you have these really stark contrast of conversations. So you have black women like, "Wow, like he apologized. I'm still waiting on my apology." You know. Jay's telling black bro- telling brothers to grow up and and do right by their by the women who love them, and then you have brothers saying there's more to 444 than just um, his relationship would be. He's talking about generational wealth, politics, and racism, and so there still was and is this reluctance for black men to even sit long enough with the ways that they have not been safe space and loving place for black women. And, um, and I think that there's a certain level of uncomfort because they want us to always talk about, you know, what has transpired um, to denigrate black men via um, via racism but they don't ever want to talk about the ways in which Black women, Black women, are both victims of structural violence, um, at the hands of at the hands of racism, but also are victims of intimate violence at the hands of Black men. And I think that when you put lemonade and four forty four together, and think about yes, the political message you also get a very real analysis of what black women face in intimate relationships that brothers just can't run away from.
0: I think that's so very true. Um, and, and, there, there, and, you know, people are right, right? Like there, were, there are other components to uh, 444, um, lemonade part two, if you will. Um, but, um, you know, I, I I totally agree. I think that with the fact that in this body of work by a Black man, like you were saying, I think people have looked at the other aspects of it as more important than the aspects that are a a response to Lemonade or an apology to Lemonade. course, you know, I, I, there are other great moments, right? Like, thinking about um, what he was saying in terms of his mother on the track Smile, like, I, I I didn't really know much about his history. I had never really even thought about it. Um, and maybe that says something about me, right? Like, maybe I should have thought more about Jay's history and, and stuff. But, you know, him talking about uh, coming in terms with his mom being a lesbian and that, you know, he um was affirming of her and who she is and and i think that was a good moment for hip-hop um but i think that also juxtaposes with daddy lessons right and so even beyond um what jay was saying in response to beyonce you know the ways in which beyonce talked about relationships with all black men that had been in her life to an extent you know he's talking about more than just beyonce but also Uh, another formative black woman in, um, in his life. Um, so there was that, um, there was also the critique of him talking about generational wealth, right? And I think that that also has been staunchly divided, um, in terms of black capitalism, right? So some folks are like, yeah, well, you know, it makes sense that, um, you know, black folks should do this or that. And, and um, really fell in line with what he was saying. And then other folks, I think more um, folks who are, are more left, right, or more leftward thinking, um, were were talking about, well, you know, actually capitalism isn't going to be some kind of bomb for black folks, right? Like, you, we will still be getting eaten up even in a capitalist system, even if we are a black um, successful, quote, unquote, capitalist. Um, so, yeah, so I think that there were a lot of conversations there and it's just a dense, dense work.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that um, the several things that I have been saying about Lemonade, A Seat at the Table um, and now 444, which I mean, how First of all, let's just say we've gotten three of the most important albums of this moment out of one family. And I think I I said to someone else, I said Mama Tina really is the real MVP (laughs) and executive producer because um, the ways in which um, that family has been able to, the nose Carter family has been able to have their finger on the pulse of, What's happening in this moment, and really also think through um, how it needs to be articulated musically and sonically. I think is I think is amazing. Um, I like it's it's really been funny because Jay, as an artist, has always been able to push the culture, right? So like Jay told us to you know change clothes in that song and brothers started like pulling their pants up, right? (laughs) And they started, you know, uh, dressing appropriately, quote unquote, um, for where they were trying to go. And then you had Death of Autotune that really changed the face of um, what we were doing in music. And so he's always been able to kind of push conversations. And so, and I was one of those who was really critical of his, of his capitalism and generational wealth um um, conversations you know uh because because i feel like that it's very easy for us to say you know you need credit you need to build wealth you need to leave like you need to leave a financial heritage for your family um and and very much ignore the structural inequalities that keep that from happening right and so um even when he's talking about in the song smile i think it is or um no in legacy he's talking about his mother getting money to to save to buy him a savings bonds right and so my mom was a single mother and i remember like my mother having savings bonds for me as a child and I remember asking her when I got to college, I said, Mama, where happened to all of those savings bonds that you had for me? And she was like, Girl, she was like, it was between keeping that savings bond and a bill. And so I so sometimes, you know, there are ways in which our parents are trying to create legacy for us and financial security. And it's, un, it's impossible because of structural inequality. Um, But I also think the beauty of the song Smile, and I was just, I actually was just listening to um, it a few hours ago again, is that um, with Jay always having his finger on the pulse of music and him being someone who's formidable and being able to uh, push a conversation, what I genuinely hope and pray that happens in hip-hop And I know it won't happen overnight, although it should, is that the music takes a turn away from its um, um, homophobic and transphobic uh, positioning uh, to embrace the fact that there are a myriad of people um, with with variances within love that shape us and that support our culture and support our music and they deserve to be treated um, they deserve to be treated well and much more than a punchline and so i hope that artists take seriously all of what he did in that album because he did a lot he definitely
0: did and i and, and i think you know the last thing that i'll kind of bring up was you know just even the structure and the format of the piece right like it's so great to see he is really owning this label that like he's the og and the best rapper out you know forever um with the different pieces or accoutrements of of uh the p of the uh, album right so he's released the short films like the ones with lupita and Maharshala Ali. Um, Those were beautiful. And even though we didn't know what was coming when they came out, um, I think it was at least a week or so before, um, they were beautiful. And It kind of sets you up to know that, okay this is going to be dope. This is going to be some really deep Black artwork. Um, And then also, I want to lift up the story of OJ, the animated short. music video that he released that goes with the song of the same name in the album. Um I really appreciated the artistry of it and how he reclaimed these racist caricatures. Um and and really all the different elements that went into driving this point home. That even though he talked about black capitalism and all that, at the end of the day, you know, you're still a black person in America, regardless of all the things that you accrue and so it it really takes having a consciousness around that regardless of what your ideas on um uh what would be best economically um in terms of an economic system for black folks so i thought that that was amazing um and then as we close out this segment i want to lift up um uh, this uh feminista jones also released a, a great review of the Piece on equality for her. And at the end of it, um, she kind of sums it up and says, You know, listen to 444 as an art produced by a man who still has a lot of growing to do, don't we all? And the stuff that we may not experience, at least art- artistically, the full bloom of his manhood. And I think that that's so true that folks who create art for us, um, you know, we don't deserve to consume every portion of a person's life. Um, but it is great when folks share um, what they're going through. Um, and so going with, you know this uh, topic of sharing, right? Sometimes you can overshare what, <laughs> which is what Rob Kardashian did um, last week um, in reference to Black China. Um, so Rob Kardashian and Black China, You know, they had a whole reality TV show. It was kind of a big deal, right, Um, that they got together because Black China used to be married to Tyga, who, or used to be with Tyga, I don't even know if they were married, but they have a son, King Cairo, um, and Tyga infamously was dating um, Kylie Jenner when she was underage, right after being with black china. So it raised some eyebrows that, you know, he left Black China, a grown woman, to be with Kylie Jenner, who is a young woman. Um, and then of course Kylie Jenner is the younger sister to Rob Kardashian. So if you are completely exhausted already from this conversation, I understand because it's just a lot of mess going on um but black china and rob they had their reality tv show last year it wasn't renewed and um it was renewed but then they said that they weren't going to come back this was around march of this year um black china has had a baby with rob kardashian named dream kardashian And um and so they've just been going back and forth. Um Black China claims that they have not really been together since December. Um, and so she sent him a photo of her kissing this guy. Um and basically Rob released, um, I think Rob released that video, um, but I know for sure that he also released um, a nude photo, nude photos of her, and basically was. Doing the whole surgery shaming dance of like saying I paid for her body to be the way it is after she had the baby, you know, basically laying claim that he should be able to, you know, determine her future based on the fact that he gifted money to um her in in terms of her body goals. Um, so there's that. Long story short, Black China is like, no, we're not having this. That's a problem. Um, everyone saw the pictures on social media. She lawyered up, she went on ABC News with her lawyer and was like, Look, you know, I got what I wanted out of this. She got her baby, she got, you know, whatever money she got and and notoriety, but also you're not gonna treat me. This way. And so she has a restraining order against him, and they're going to court. And so, this whole conversation on revenge porn is, is going on on social media. Um, so, if you don't know what revenge porn is, it's basically when people um, release photos, videos of other folks, usually in compromising situations, um, really to get back at them for a supposed infidelity or whatever reason.
1: So yeah, so have you been following this Disney kind of media circus around Rob and Black China? Girl, yeah. So, <laughs> so what was so funny was uh, my best friend texted me and she was like, You need to go and look at Rob Kardashian's Instagram. And that's all she said. And before I could even go to Rob Kardashian's Instagram, I opened my Instagram and People were reposting it, and I was like, Are you? I was like, What it wait, what is this? And I went to his page, and my mouth just dropped open. Like, I would be clear and say that I think, um, that Black China and Rob Kardashian. Is one of the their relationship has to be one of the most exhausting <laughs> relationships within pop culturedom as we speak. I think the the Kardash, I mean the Kardashians as a unit exhaust me. So, um, so to to see this play out, like you always, it's one of those situations of like they can be together this week and then they break up next week and then they're blocking each other and cussing each other out and i felt like this was this took everything that they did or that he was doing to another level like that um one rob kardashian literally has a history of this right so so when he he did the same things when his relationship ended with rita aura and Adrian Bylon of releasing a certain like suggestive text messages that they sent, talking about them sexually. Um, He has this very like, he has a way in which when relationships end or when he is not in power, um, to feel as though he has the ability to shame uh, the women that he, supposedly at one time or another loved. And I think that part of what is uncomfortable about the way that this is playing out in the media for me is that because people have a perception of Black China, they don't extend to her the same kinds of um, respect that they would extend to someone else who was in this situation, and so um, we begin to we begin to shame women who have a certain ownership of their sexuality, and so the conversation becomes, well, I mean, she's she's half naked on Instagram anyway. She's known for her body, blah blah blah. What's the difference? And I literally, so I teach women's and gender studies, and I've actually had students um, since this has uh, broken, since this story broke, email me and say, I don't understand how, what the problem is. And I say to them, it does not matter if Black China was a porn star who, for a living or chose to post new pictures of herself every day. That is something that she chooses to do with her body. The moment that seeing new pictures of herself and the moment that seeing and being, um, and her body being made available to people is not in her control, that becomes the problem and it becomes criminal. And I hope, I mean, I'm one of those people that I hope that she, um, that she sues and gets all of his money and I hope that he gets in serious trouble because something has to be done to say that one women can own their bodies in however they choose to own their bodies and that men do not get to, um, to lay claim to that, whether they pay for surgeries or not, to begin to have a certain kind of ownership or power around women's bodies that um, leaves them vulnerable and dangerous, right? So so part of it is that like, for whoever, for however um, Black China chooses to navigate these mo- this moment, her body is stamped in time for the world to see. And that's not fair. Right. That's not fair that, you know, years from now, um, people will be able to Google these images. Her daughter and her son will be able to see them um, simply because a man was upset that she moved on. And whatever their relationship, um, however it ended, however tumultuous and dramatic, everything is for them, there should have been something in him that says, this is entirely too far. Not because she's the mother of my child, not because of any other thing other than the fact that she's a human being, she does not deserve this and I should be grown. And the fact that that did not even enter his his thought sphere, he deserves whatever consequence um, gets laid on him.
0: Definitely, And the other thing that stuck out to me is that, you know, this is exactly what happened to his sister, Kim. Um, I mean, the video of her and Ray J was released.
1: Exactly. At least
0: that's the public story, right? We don't know all the ins and outs. But on the surface, this was released. This video was released of Kim Kardashian in a, a compromise um, situation. And... The fact that he didn't learn anything from that situation, um, it it speaks wonders, right? Because this happened personally to somebody you, I guess, I I know they probably still have a somewhat strained relationship, but you you went ahead and and perpetrated this on, on, or perpetuated this on somebody else later on. There has to be um, some reference that happens around that conversation too. And the fact that you didn't even think about, not that you should have to think about your daughter, right, to treat this other woman right, but the fact that you didn't even think about that, right, and think about your culpability and your daughter knowing that her father is is a jerk, you know, and a raging misogynist. Um, why would anybody want to be with you i mean i think to me that even validated black china leaving and not wanting to be controlled by this this guy um so there's that whole conversation of of this kind of like full circle um situation because because with kim you know they were able to spin what happened to her her in terms of that video being released into this media, um this whole media empire, right? And become moguls in, in that sense. The steep climb that it, it's gonna, it's been already for Black China as someone who is consistently being reminded that, oh, you're just a stripper, or you know, oh, you that's where you come from, that's all you'll always be. It is a much steeper climb for her than Kim Kardashian is, a Kardashian, someone who is not a black woman. Um, And and we even see this in conversations with Cardi B, right? Like, and and this is one thing that's so powerful to me about people like Cardi B and Trina and stuff, you know, that were able to say, hey, yeah, that was a part of my past, but that doesn't, you know, Stop me from being a human that doesn't stop me from going after my goals. And at the end of the day, why does that have to be a negative thing? You know? So I hope that even coming out of this, maybe there will be some deeper conversations, at least publicly, on um, kind of ending this culture of shame around people who strip or do sex work and, and things of that nature. Because oftentimes the same men who are the same ones that will be on the strip club on Saturday morning or Saturday, well, Saturday morning, um, all day Saturday.
1: Exactly. Like that's the part that, that is frustrating. So part of this, so part of, part of this, the notion of, uh, shaming sex work and sex workers is all about this ability to say which woman deserves, um, which kind of woman deserves respect. And one of the things that always frustrates me when I see black women um, buying into this argument is that the poll can move um, so many times to not include you, right? So like the moment that you, because it is all about creating a certain kind of standard that embraces white womanhood and because it is a standard that embraces white womanhood it will never be one that fully embraces black women so you may not engage in sex work but that doesn't mean that you will embody the aesthetic qualities that black men still don't shame right and so um i have been as I've been watching this, particularly around Black China, around uh, Amber Rose, and around Cardi B, um, I, I'm grateful for certain kinds of conversations that happen around feminism that um, younger women are able to to buy into and to align with, and that it also means that people like me who find ourselves as educators. Um, have to also do some work around saying like, okay, um, these are these women are expressing a certain kind of feminism and agency. This is what that means. Um, and then at the same token, trying to deconstruct the ways in which surgery shaming and body shaming happens, right? We're in a moment where um you can get a gastric sleeve surgery you can get tummy tucks you can get all of these things if you can afford them to um to create the body that you want and there are a lot of critiques about that right about um about that and i tend not to critique i tend to say that i want to give black i always want to give black women the ability to um I want to give Black women the ability to name and claim for themselves who they want to be and what they want to do, and at the same time acknowledge the structures of uh, sexism that still may be, you know, alive and well in those kind of conversations and decision making. And so, part of what um, part of what is frustrating about the whole notion of um, Black China is that Black China will never like Black China is black. (laughs) And so because Black China is black, um, she is a black woman. She will never be able to have the certain kind of success that a Kim Kardashian can have with a whole sex tape. Right. And, and it's not even to denigrate the sex tape because she was in a relationship she could do whatever she chooses to do with her body but also what does it mean that i have chosen and this kind of goes back to what we were even talking about with lemonade and 444 what does it mean that i'm in a i was in a relationship loved and now parent with someone who can do this kind of violence to me Right. And so while it while I don't ever think that people have to think about other people's children or their daughters to treat other women. Right. But what does it mean that uh, and I and I believe her when she did her interview and she said this wasn't, you know, nobody made a baby out of revenge. Like this was, you know, a relationship Um, at the same token, what does it mean when you have literally loved somebody had a child with somebody who can be this deeply violent to you and not care at all about how this will impact you, how this will impact the children and the family that you guys have made together, even as you're apart. And while Rob isn't Black, it just shows the ways in which Black women are always left to be extremely vulnerable in love and relationships by people that they thought loved them.
0: Definitely. You know, And one thing that was great that kind of sums up what we've been talking about. um, So her attorney, um, Lisa Bloom, said, I'm not asking victims to change their behavior. I'm asking perpetrators not to commit crimes. It is a crime to post pictures like this, and if you do it, I hope that the full impact of the law rains down on you. Um, and so that's so very true. Um, although I am not one who has so such a deep faith in the criminal justice system, um, I do think you know in this case we we got to to make a point with um, really the, the misogynistic culture of taking advantage of of women and, and thinking it's okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Going forward to the spawn of someone who takes advantage of women and thinks it's okay, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. Um, so yeah, so we'll talk about Donald Trump Jr. briefly because I am just really exhausted talking about the Trump administration at this point. Um, but. June 3rd, 2016 email that was sent to Donald Trump Jr. So, of course, this was about, not even six months, but a few months before the election. And basically, um, information was being offered from a a former Russian business partner to Donald Trump Jr. had some dirt on Hillary Clinton. And so, of course, Donald Trump Jr., eager to get this information, um, responded and basically, got this information. So, there was a meeting with this person and um, the, a senior Russian government official. And basically, Donald Trump Jr., I guess, thought that he was doing something or, or saving his butt or saving faith or whatever seeing um, the details of, of that conversation that correspondence um, and so every, to, much to everyone's chagrin on Twitter um, people are like um, absolve you of anything this is actually very incriminating and also what are you doing so that happened and this is just one of the the touchstones in the Whole kind of investigation into the to the Trump campaign's fusion um, with Russia. Um, so all I have to say is that Donald Trump Jr. is ridiculous, and I thought that Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump was going to bring down Donald Trump. Didn't know that it was going to be his own child. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: Child, I I mean, it's, what is today? July the. 12th. I did not think he was going to be president this long. So, um, <laughs> so that, that is frustrating in and of itself that like every, like I, and I know black people all across this country are doing it at some point, either daily or weekly, like there is this sobering moment where we are like, this man is our president. And there's so much information that suggests that he does not need to be but for whatever reason uh republican government um our republican representatives refuse to put the country ahead of party um he is inequipped to lead um and if he if obama did i'm not even gonna say an eighth if obama did 1 100th of the things that this that not only he has done but his family has done they would have not they would have not only called for his own impeachment they would have tried to make sure that he uh, stripped him of us citizenship right and so we're seeing every day the ways in which racism and power collude and collide um, to make people untouchable and so it's like how much how much information has to come out for us to understand that this family that this uh, presidency colluded with our actual national enemy um, to 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 win the presidency before we actually come out of our mouth and say they colluded with our enemy to win the presidency
0: right. And, and
1: I mean, also
0: just going full circle, right? Look how far white mediocrity will get you in America. Girl. <laughs> just juxtaposing this with our early- <laughs> earlier conversation about Jay-Z and, and his come up, right? Like, he had to be a, a great, brilliant rapper to get to where he is. And Donald Trump just was spat out into the world and, and just... Apparently didn't gather any other skills on his ascent up the social ladder. So just ridiculous.
1: This man is not bright. Like he's <laughs> like even I get I get so upset um, it, when um, I actually had my cousin. She is a sixth grader. Um, challenge me because um, I said I said here we have a president who speaks and writes like he is in fifth grade. And my cousin said, I didn't speak like that when I was in fifth grade. (laughs) And it was, and I was like, you know what, you're right. Like we, like this man is not, he is, he is inept. And it just goes to show that we have to be 10 times better to even be seen as a step lower than them. And that all of the people who voted for him—the white women, the 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 white folk in the South—who for whatever reason think this man is bringing back the coal mines and the so coal <coughs> industry—like these, they have, you know, created and celebrated a mediocrity that really is going to be the death of this country in so many in so many ways. And I think that. um That is what's dangerous to me, is that uh, the kind of leadership that we have in America leaves us us so susceptible and open to just, we are vulnerable as a nation because we have someone leading it who has absolutely no idea what they're doing.
0: Definitely. And so going to our last topic, So Tyler, the creator, is a rapper um, slash creative more than just a rapper to me um, for some reason. Um, He has an upcoming album called Gum Fuck Flower Boy. Um, And so Tyler, the creator, he has been in the limelight for, I guess, a good six or so years, maybe a little longer um but he has always had a lot of controversy surrounding him um so he is very much a very brazen dude always you know kind of saying things that kind of stoked the flames of controversy um and he's been likened to eminem a lot especially in, in the earlier years um but he also has just been very um of um, misogyny and and homophobia in his music. Um, so while I, I don't necessarily know if he is a misogynist or hom- homophobe, right, in a kind of constant way, he has at least in his art been that way. And so um, on his first, I think it was his first album, Goblin, or my, I think it was actually an EP, um, he used anti-gay language more than 200 times. So the anti-gay language was the F-word. Um, and so somebody counted, right, because it was just uh, so um, rampant in his work. And there was actually critique from GLAAD, um, the LGBTQ organization, about him winning an MTV award. Um, at one point because of how often he's used anti-gay language in his music but he's also just had some very brutal lyrics about women um and has at one point was also criticized for wearing this shirt that reimagined a white supremacist logo in rainbow colors and then he was like holding hands with another man so he has constantly the flames to be in the to uh, have these kind of difficult, complicated dialogues surrounding him. So what has happened over the past week is that his album has leaked. Um, and in it, there are some lines that basically allude to him being queer in some way. Some folks are saying, oh, he's completely gay. no, then other folks are saying, oh, well, maybe he's bi. I'm just going to say um because we don't know right he hasn't definitively said it um he said had some tweets over the years but of course again he's one known to talk out of the side of his mouth so so it's just been interesting to hear this conversation because um I, i think one thing that has stuck out to me the whole tyler the creator potentially coming out situation is that over the, the years where he was kind of being critiqued for at least his use of the F word and his kind of weird thought like uh, words on um, queer queerness, he was claiming that it was okay for him to say those things. And so while I, I think that, yeah, if you're a queer man or a gay man reclaiming the F word, makes sense, but if you're not actually like publicly out, I think it's actually very damaging to, to actually be so rampant in, in the usage of it and not be clear about that. Not that I think anyone should have to come out or or talk about their sexuality, but I think at least with something like that in hand because a lot of cis-het black men and, and cis like followers of his music, were saying that it was okay for him to say those things because he didn't mean it as you know actually talking about somebody with a queer sexuality but i I think that that point is mood like i think that matter and that there needed to be some consciousness in his artwork about using that language and not being definitively out
1: I, I totally agree. I think it um, it for me also um, is very much in line with who we say can and cannot use the N word, and um, we are very clear that when Black people use it, um, it is not um, it is not as as offensive because they're Black. And so as somebody who, um, as someone who thinks that that word is not offensive. And I mean, I think that it, I think it is regardless of whether you, um, and I can't speak as someone who's in that community in within the uh, LGBTQ community, but I do think that the word is offensive. I do believe that if you are going to have a conversation about the reclamation of that word, then it also needs to be clear about where your where the 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 fundamental like purpose of or grounding of you believing that that word can be reclaimed is from. Because if you don't make that clear, then you do run the risk of cis folks uh, believing that 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 kind of that that kind of language is okay, and it's just simply not um and and that's dangerous and so um but i also wanted to speak a bit to these lyrics and i mean and i think that you set it up so well is that at the end of the day we are talking about tyler the creator who has he has talked out of literally more sides of his neck than he actually has right and so we never know what is true for him because he is always, um, trying to create a certain kind of what he considers to be art, which is always controversial and has some kind of, um, some kind of, uh, of, of attention, media attention that gets drawn to it. Um, but I do, I do hope and I'll, um, that we, and believe that we're seeing with younger people that the variances of sexuality and the fluidity of sexuality has become so normative for a lot of younger generation that um, that a coming out isn't so necessary, right? And so, um, I am consistently learning from my students about sexuality. They will come to me and say, I'm pansexual. And I'm like, I I learned that word for the first time two years ago. Um, And I have students who will say, you know, uh, I am, I am performative queer. And I literally have to go back and figure out what they mean by, and talk to them about what they mean about a performative queerness. Um, Or just the ways in which younger people see sexuality as not something that needs to be, um, that needs to be proclaimed and and shouted from the rooftops. Like, you know, I think about Ellen and that moment that um, Ellen came out that literally was such this huge deal. And even older generations of folks, our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, always looking for someone to finally come out that this generation is really like my sexuality is who I am. Right. And, and it's not something that I need to disclose to you in a way that makes a kind of political statement, but it is about the totality of me and my experience. And I think that I hope that that's where we get pushed to rather, whether it's, through a Tyler Creator album or whether it's through like Frank Ocean who, you know, makes music and does not, has not ever, you know, um, shied away from his sexuality, but has done it in a way that does not, um, that does not, that allows for us to have conversations about his art and and not minimize him to a sexuality in ways that so many people of our parents' generation and before did to other artists. And so, yeah, like Tyler Creator is one of those people that I don't think we'll ever get a definitive answer about who he is. But I think that the way that he goes about these kind of conversations for good and for bad says a lot about how younger people are thinking through what sexuality means, not, not just in this moment, but going forward.
0: I definitely think that's true. I mean, I, I, think there has been such a shift. Um, I, I like to think for better rather than for worse on, um, consciousness around the, the spectrum of, uh, sexuality and even gender. Right. But definitely, um, on a larger sense around sexuality. Um, so you know, I I I I think there are so many parts of this that, that we so many avenues we could go with this conversation because again, he hasn't definitively come out as anything. Um, but I would rather him be actually some some kind of queer than not, because I'm a little over um hat men using I guess performative, right? This performative queerness or this performative um, gender variance or gender nonconformity to get ahead, right, or to get kudos, but not actually having better politics on um, LGBTQ liberation and um, affirmation, right? So right. I just,
1: like you and I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you said that, it made me think of Nicki Minaj, right? So. At the beginning of Nikki's career, she spent so much time doing a certain performative queerness where her lyrics and her rap was always about, you know, her like potential sexual exploits with women, whether they were threesomes or whether they would just be her being with women. Um, and it it stoked a certain kind of like fire as it was around sexuality. Um, But then she made a couple of years ago, very recently, some very unsettling comments about um, sexuality that shows the ways in which people can use this to create a certain kind of, um, a certain kind of persona that they can then back away from. And we see it with so many folks. We see it in the ways that artists often utilize uh, queer labor, whether it is the creatives or whether it is, you know, um, business, on the business side, but utilize queer labor and exploit it, and then turn around and make these statements or make it clear that they are not um, a part of or in support of this community, that makes it very, that makes, that, that becomes troubling. And it becomes, um, a way to show how people exploit folks for their own personal gain and have absolutely no idea or understanding that there are people, there are humanities that are actually attached to these.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, this definitely has to go deeper, um, and 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 this goes really into the conversation we were having with Jay Z, right? Like, there has to be this deeper empathy building within hip hop for the the most marginalized folks, particularly in the Black community. Um, and so, hopefully, you know, maybe Tyler the Creator will may will have some kind of. Um, Conversation on that and his album. Um, I guess we will see. But I want to thank you for being on the show, Candace. You have been an amazing guest. Um, And so glad to break down free with you and everything else uh, that we've discussed.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I um, support everything that Black Girl Dangerous does. And so Um, to be a part of this was just really a joy for me.
0: Awesome. So where can people find you and your work online? So um,
1: my social media across uh, platforms is at Candice Benbow. So at C-A-N-D-I-C-E B-E-N-B-O-W and my uh, website is the same, www.candicebenbow.com and feel free to Tweet me, send me an Instagram, send me an email, um, and uh, just let me, you know, I love communicating with folks around, like what what my work is doing, how I can make it better, like where they were like, nah girl, we weren't feeling that. You know, um, I, I appreciate all kinds of feedback and um, I just thank you guys so much for supporting me. Thank y'all so much for supporting the syllabi. Um, and uh, this piece and I just um, I'm just grateful for I was grateful for black people (laughs) and um, you know it just makes me feel good to be a black woman and um, when we are when we can put our ourselves whether vulnerable um, and, and difficult parts of ourselves into community and into space and community supports and loves us and so I just want to say thank you for all the love and support that people are showing around for 43.
0: Awesome. Well thank you again and thank you all for listening. That's all for this episode. Um, I hope that you know your July is going well. Your summer is off the chain. I can't believe I just said off the chain. (laughs) Oh Lord. I think I'm getting old. I think that's part of what this is. Um, But anyway, (laughs) don't forget to visit us at bgdblog.org. Follow us on Twitter at bgdblog. And of course, like us on Facebook at bgd. I just remembered why I said off the chain. It's because my mom still says off the chain all the time, and she's been visiting. Anyway, I'm sorry for that, (laughs) y'all. the BGB podcast is a production of Black Girl Dangerous Media i'm stay amazing and just enjoy the summer bye